You are listening to the Fuerte Network. Bienvenidos a todos. Welcome back to Migrants on Air and Immigration Podcast. My name is Karina Dominguez and I'm here with my co-host Carlos Yanez and we have Danny back. So we're really excited that the three of us are back together for this episode. How are you two doing? Hola Karina, ¿qué tal? Hi Danny, uh, todo, todo bien. Aquí, pues afuera está bien nublado, pero yo bien feliz acá adentro, calientito, pero listo para hablar con ustedes. I missed you Talking about missing, I missed y'all. Oh my God, la tercera la vencida. Finally able to come back and uh, you know for episode three. Uh, obviously been listening to you guys editing these shows and uh, yeah, I mean I'm so glad that you guys keep this kind of work going because you know this is all great information for all of our listeners and our community. So uh, you guys have been doing an awesome job. But oh uh, yeah, I missed this too much, so I had to come back. Hey, we're happy you're here, Danny. And for this month's episode, we're gonna talk a little bit about everything. We know that the last episode. Uh, it was a little short, shorter than usual, so we're hoping to give you all a little bit of a longer episode today. We're going to talk about a lot of different topics. We're going to touch on DACA, immigration joy, detaching ourselves from like the narratives of being helpless and feeling stuck. Our guest today pitched a lot of these ideas to us, so we're super excited to talk to her. But first, we're going to go through a quick immigration update on DACA and the Affordable Care Act. So, Carlos, do you want to let us know what's going on with that? Yeah, claro. So very, very recently, uh, President Biden announced an update for deferred action and the eligibility of beneficiaries to apply for the Affordable Care Act. And if you don't know what the Affordable Care Act is, it's just basically broken down by state. So for Arizona listeners, it basically means that if, you have, if you're a DACA recipient, uh, you'd be eligible for access, which is kind of like the the Affordable Care Act provision in Arizona. It looks a little different state by state, but it just basically means that depending on your income, you should now be eligible for low-cost medical care access. And you know, there's since it's a an executive rule change, it's within the 90-day comment period, so it's not active yet. So right now it's in the public comment period. People are submitting comments, uh, but upon the 90 days of completion for, for the comment period, uh, it should go into effect. Basically, we're still trying to see where... Uh, and how this will be implemented. At the end of the day, you know, this is only being given to around 585,000 people, which is the number of DACA recipients, and it doesn't encompass, you know, a lot of other individuals who need healthcare. But for now, it still stands to be seen how it's going to be implemented and how those eligibility requirements are going to pan out. If you are in another state, please be checking your state's healthcare agency since those medical programs are different state by state uh, and you might qualify for different things depending on the state that you live in. I know California has a broader access for healthcare than Arizona does, but just depending on your state, uh, it should be a little different if you qualify for the Affordable Care Act. That was like, I know you as a DACA recipient, like, how does this news, like, make you feel or, like, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, no, I think it's a step in the right direction. I, I don't really think that the Affordable Care Act provisions have a citizenship component to it. So this kind of just shows me that the the president with executive action can just open it up to everyone. So to me, it's a little weird to just open it up to 
such a small population, I think it's a step in the right direction because a lot of people will benefit from it. And individuals who haven't traditionally been part of the ACA or the medical marketplace do need access to healthcare. But at the end of the day, especially right now in this point in time where even like the courts are fighting with with the program and there's a lot of up in the air, I would have loved to see a broader access for the ACA. I know there's specific states that are pushing the fight for healthcare for all. I think California, Washington have introduced like provisions to expand healthcare access regardless of immigration status. And I mean, even Boston, they just introduced bills for free tuition for everyone regardless of immigration status. So I think the push and the sentiment, I think over the next couple of years is should be there in the future. Just a little disappointed that it didn't happen now. But, you know, expanding healthcare for more people is always a good thing since healthcare in this country is so expensive. Like everyone's like one medical bill away from like, I don't know, like bankruptcy. Like it's so, it's so, yeah, it's so expensive. Yeah. You know, Carlos, I have a question for you on this is that I know in the past we've talked about not only healthcare, but like immigration and everything that we wanted for everybody and to uh, make it for just one specific group of people with all these parameters uh, that we've always talked about it not being enough. And obviously it's not. But if this were to happen and you were to get a, uh, get healthcare for for example, from this, would you think that you would be able to enjoy it or be happy about it, knowing that there's, there's still like that? Because I know... I went through that when I got my residency is that I was happy for me, but kind of feel guilty for the rest of my family that, you know, was not being able to afford that opportunity. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think even with DACA, there's a sense of guilt because a lot of organizations focus on us when they should be focusing on a lot more individuals within the population. So I think that sense of guilt is always going to be there. But I think instead of feeling sorry for ourselves when we have such a big privilege, I think we should channel that guilt into productive means in terms of like advocacy or to uplift other voices that are, I guess, more pushed back than ours, because we should be doing productive things with that guilt and the things that we're feeling to for the betterment of other people instead of just kind of feeling sorry for ourselves. So I think even for me, like even within like having DACA, like um, I've tried to kind of take a step back because at the end of the day, like, you know, other people should be speaking on these issues. So I think it's the same with with healthcare and the Affordable Care Act. Like I think as the the years go by, like I think there's gonna have to be a bigger push for more individuals expanding access. But yeah, I mean that that guilt I think will always be there. And I feel it with my parents, you know, like que no tienen acceso a salud médica, like my tios, like other individuals who didn't qualify for for the DACA program like initially. So yeah, I think it's it's tough. Yeah, I think bottom line is we definitely need access to health care for all and it should be free. But thank you so much, Carlos, for the movement update. We're going to go ahead and introduce our guest now. Uh, we have with us Alejandra. Ale, how are you doing today? Are you okay? I have a little bit of allergies, not going to lie. So if I'm like sniffle, sniffle, <laughs> my bad. I have the no worries. Whatever the microphone's going to pick up, pick it up. <laughs> Thank you again for being here with us today. I know it took us a while to get this episode on the calendar. You know, we were all so busy, but we're so glad that we're all here now. But can you just kind of introduce yourself a little bit to us, share where you're from and a little bit of your immigration story for the audience? Yeah, so I, my name is Ale. I'm from Ciudad Juarez, Mexico, like Chihuahua. Uh, So my parents first came here when they were like, when I was like four years old. 
So they moved to Texas and they moved to like ugh, middle of like bumfuck nowhere, Texas. Geographically isolated, like culturally isolated. Like I wish my parents had moved to like Dallas or like Houston or literally anywhere else. Like, But instead they moved to Amarillo, which is six hours from the nearest city. So you might as well call it Nebraska. Like, So I like went to high school and some of middle school here in Amarillo, which is where I'm at right now because I'm, I'm fun employed at the moment. And I am a fully undocumented person. I do not have any of the privileges that DACA rants people, but I still make it work better than most citizens. So I think that's kind of like my entire like immigration story. And then I just kind of like went to college in Austin and then I lived there for like six years. And then I'm just kind of back here and my parents for a little bit while they are filing for their residency. So Ale, what's your story and your feelings with the DACA program? A lot of the things that we have to talk to you about today probably goes back to the program. So like, would you be able to tell us a little bit about your views on it and kind of like your development having to, I guess, like continue like without that that privilege? Yeah, I feel like maybe mine is like controversial, but I'm like all for like fuck DACA, <laughs> like abolish it. Like it's the reason we're like kind of like in this mess honestly like now because i did a whole like project on this when i was in college um my capstone project was literally about like undocu joy like alegria sin papeles like about like fully undocumented people and how they still manage to thrive and just kind of find joy in places like in everyday life where you know in a country that you know cuts your wings basically so like in all honesty like i don't believe in DACA like if that makes any sense like I think like it is such a terrible program and it has caused so much division within our own community and it was literally only a band-aid so it's kind of like the reason that like we have what we like like the good versus bad I mean there's like a whole like thing I did like so much it's been sorry it's been a minute uh my head has been very full of like entertainment and culture because I work in entertainment now I don't do community organizing anymore because I got so burnt out and it was also like just really infuriating being there and like caring like it was just very emotionally taxing and also like being a fully undocumented person and like having kind of everybody like regard you as a second opinion and just like a second like priority to like DACA people so in these immigration orgs so anyways like it just further exacerbated like this good versus bad immigrant narrative and it continues to do so because of like the requirements that DACA has which are like obviously you like need to be like a young person like which is basically that you're like inculpable of being here in the country like it's your parents fault so there's a scapegoat for that you know and then it's like people who are you know we're here for some time we're in school like are pursuing like something or working and it's like it just like elevates these people into like a second class as opposed to like if there was like a lower class than second class you know where all the other undocus are at like that's like my personal opinion like i don't really fuck with daca like every time i hear daca news like i'm sorry but like i guess like to me it's not the end of the world some of us have managed to like thrive and survive and do better for ourselves without daca for the past like so many years and Honestly, like, if you have DACA for, like, the past eight-something years, I think, ten now, maybe, I think, like, 
your undocumented experience is like not at all the same as my undocumented undocumented experience. Like, and there's no way that anybody can compare that to each other. It's like apples to oranges. It's not even the same thing anymore. Alec, can you give us some of examples of how you've been able to thrive in uh, with your current situation the way that, that you've been? Because, I mean, you are completely right, especially with that last statement of your experience is different than anybody else's. And I will use myself as an, as an example. I didn't get DACA until after I've been working in construction for about five, six years. And I was working at that because I didn't have anywhere else to go. But I was able to make it work at the moment at that time in my life. But after I, re- I received those privileges, my entire life changes to so many more doors being open. So, so yeah, I'm curious about what kind of things you were able to do and like what kind of, uh, you know, challenges you faced to be able to get where you are right now. Yeah. So I guess like my most recent example is that like, okay, I guess I'll start with like my first post-grad job. I won't exactly say who I worked for, but it was like a major entertainment company. And so I was doing a lot of like... It was just a really cool job. Like people would kill for my job. Like that's what I mean. Like there people are like undocumented people are stealing your jobs. Like, yes, I am actually. Like I stole somebody's job. Like I don't give like it was a good ass job. People would kill for my job, but I had it as my first post-grad job. And I was a music programmer essentially. And it was like I was just meeting all these like clients and like from these big brands and just like putting on like lineups for them and just stuff like that so that's what I mean like it and like the thing is like I think that stuff like that like requires a ton of vulnerability being like and that's I think that's the one thing too is like for me I have always been radically kind of honest about my status you know never been like really ambiguous about it always been like oh well like I'm not a citizen like I like need like this like a 1099 position like blah blah so like I had talked to my boss and it was literally like a whole thing and like I don't know it was just like she still thought I was like the best person for the job and like made HR like change the position so that I could work into like a 1099 like contract position and so like that's kind of the sort of thing is what I mean and like I also it like it was really hard like I like I remember when I first got the job and I was like I got an interview and then I got the offer and then I was like fuck I was like now I'm in this position like we're trying to go through HR and obviously like you can't say like that you're like in docu through like email you know there's like there can't be like any written like word about it or anything like that but like I remember in my interview I told her about my uh capstone project about like and then like, we just kind of went to this whole deep conversation about like immigration and like just this entire thing like literally I think she asked me like two questions about the actual job and so like because and then it turns out like her husband is also an immigrant from Iraq. So I think she had like a like that's what I mean. Like she wouldn't have known any of that stuff if I hadn't like shared that with her. And I was like, this is a really important cause to me. And like I like my parents are like undocumented. And like I, you know, how people like always are like free to say like their parents are undocumented because like that's just like I don't know, like child of immigrant thing. Cause you don't want to put yourself directly on there exactly, but it's a very weird way of like navigating it. So my friend, I have a friend who does a lot of like corporate stuff and she works for like this company and she taught me a lot of like corporate speak and so that also I think really helped me because whenever I was like kind of not negotiating but like negotiating the position essentially it was like the way I had like sent the email and like formatted and like the language in it was just so that like they could help me essentially and it was just like me being like well like this is like my situation like you know or like oh I'm looking for these positions exactly like because of my status like blah 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 like and they like eventually like after like I think like a week of like not hearing back from them they like eventually finally like will give you the job like still like so like that was kind of like I think like my first like or not first but one of the 
those experiences where I like other people would like kill for these types <laughs> for like these types of things. And then I also like had an internship at like a, a creative house in LA, which actually did Bad Bunny's tours, like the all the set design and like everything and like the graphics and whatnot. And that also like I got it fully funded to go to LA and live there and like learn there and intern there. So it was crazy because I'm like, I'm very much the immigrant who steals your jobs because I put myself out there and I'm honest about what I do. And like, I personally have to continue living with the fact that like, I might never get DACA or like, just like living with the assumption that I'll never get DACA. And even if I weren't to get DACA or if I don't get papers, like I still have to continue somehow. Like, I'm not going to let that stop me. I can't let it stop me because if not, I'm just like stuck in this one position. And I know it's like a very hard thing, like a mind, it's like a mindset to like kind of move forward with that thing. So with this like confidence and and I think it's been afforded to me through like a lot of things like obviously I went to school I had like a full ride to UT I had no English like I think I'm like a very sociable person like I know a lot of people like people feel trust in me and especially when I'm like vulnerable with them and just like being like public about these things because like no one can hold anything against you if like you just tell them if that's just like part of you like your public identity so like I think that's kind of how I've been able to really thrive. So that's kind of what I've like gathered so far in my experience. And I've been able to do just a lot of cool stuff because I've just been like, well, I'm in, like, it's like, well, I'm fully undocumented. So, and then like people will be like, oh, well, like, let me see what I can do. And then they'll come back with like, maybe like a solution or something. So, and if they don't, then like, I don't know, it just wasn't meant to be, you know, like, I really like to think that what is meant for me like will happen as long as I am like putting everything on the table for it you know and if they and if, like if I've done everything I can and it still doesn't happen well then it's just like on to the next thing you know yeah I think your your story is really cool because like as undocumented people without DACA sometimes all of like the success stories or like people who are like in the professional settings that we get told are typically like DACA recipients so it's just really cool to hear how you have been able to like get into the music industry without DACA. And I feel like just any immigrant youth, or, like maybe like undocumented students who are in high school or like in their early years of college, like hearing this would be like just very inspirational. And you kind of touched on this a little bit, but I know sometimes a lot of like younger undocumented folks without DACA really get like the idea of DACA pushed onto them. Like, hey, maybe the program will open up, like have hope that it'll open up. So they kind of get stuck and are just waiting for that moment where it opens up so they can apply. So what would you say to some of those like youth or students who are hoping for the program to open up for these opportunities to like be available to them or even to DACA recipients who are scared of losing their status? Yeah, I guess like maybe it's going to sound harsh, but like, it's like you're letting fear stop you. Like you're letting fear control your life. Like this world in this country already puts so much fear on you why do you have to do it to yourself you don't have to do that to yourself like you can choose to believe and be optimistic and actually like go forward and think like I can do this like who gives a fuck if the government doesn't think I can I will anyway like and I have and it's like and I haven't I mean I haven't run into any trouble still so like no one's told me any you could get stuck in this one place and like then you're just waiting around for DACA and like it could be 20 years from now and you just won't be in like you won't get there like you won't be there like it still won't open like 
you just gotta keep moving forward like there's nothing else you can do and i know that sounds like como like when your parents tell you que chale ganas you know but i think it's a little different than like that porque like if you let fear overtake you and like you're just stuck like i think i mean you also have to be a little cautious right you don't want to just go telling everyone that you're undocumented like be know who are the people that could be in your corner and kind of like learn the nuances of like you know if you know their political views and like maybe you can like you know use that to your advantage and like or if they have like a personal connection to like another immigrant or like you know it's a tipo de cosa like or they're just in community orgs like they have like you know they believe in like radical like ideas like that sort of thing you know so it's like like you don't want to be going around telling like conservatives like in the middle of like middle like, yeah like the middle of texas like hey i'm a document you know because then they're gonna start fucking being anyways you know but like for example like i have like just me because i was in austin at the time like Austin's a very open place compared to the rest of Texas. So they were able to, they just like understood for a good chunk of part, you know? And so it's like managing and learning to do that. But like I said, you can't like, you can't just be stuck on this one. You can't think that DACA is the thing that's going to save you. You have to save yourself. Like no one else is going to do it for you. And yeah, DACA helped so many people, but like now they're stuck in the U.S. until they think like citizenship is going to come for them. Like, do you also want to be in that same position? Like, I don't, like, I don't think so. I wouldn't. Like, I, like, yeah, like, I still have a lot of life to go through. And I still have, like, even right now, I'm, like, looking for another job or, like, looking for another contract or something. But I'm doing more stuff to, like, build my portfolio and, like, do more connections and, like, meet people and, like, put myself out there and just, like, be, like, open about who I am and, like, the type of work I'm looking for. Because if not, life is just going to pass you by. And, I personally don't want that. And you shouldn't strive for that either. I, I, I did want to go back to the idea of what you were talking about, of like having that confidence. I know um, right now I'm, I work with a lot of undocumented youth who are either going into college or doing grad school or trying to find other opportunities. I think, how, how did you go about building that confidence in yourself? And do you have any advice or, you know, any ways to help inspire that confidence in, in youth who are barely you know, going through these steps. Oh my God, it's going to sound so corny. But like, you know, like, you know, like, like, oh, like manifesting TikTok. <laughs> like manifesting TikTok really got me honest. But then like, it got me more into like spirituality. And then so I started like learning more things about like affirmations and like journaling and like just doing a lot of work to like self-growth and that sort of thing. And like, yeah, like it started out kind of corny, but it actually really, really helped me at the end of the day because I became like I became secure in myself I knew who I was and yeah there's still like the fear of like deportation like I'm not out here doing stupid shit you know like not out here just telling everybody like it's selective I guess it's it's a lot of like faith too in like the way that like you have to trust in yourself and have to trust that like the world or the universe whatever god whatever will put something there for you if you really like believe in it or trust it because like things just happen and I feel ever since I've kind of been like that like I have really thrived I I don't know if that makes any sense like I don't know things have just happened for me which I think is also very fortunate but when I used to be someone who was like really insecure and like didn't have any confidence in myself and I'd be like a scared like scared and afraid to speak up for like the things that I believed in like things would not happen for me like I felt a lot of resistance like from everywhere it was really really strange and I don't know, it's like one of those things that it was like, like, I don't know, like my mom would say like, cosas de Dios, or I don't know, you know, like, uh, pero. Hashtag Mexican mom sayings. Yeah, but it's like, like, I kind of like, 
people kind of shit on like spirituality and like believing in something bigger than yourself but like I think it's kind of real and um and I kind of get like where my mom comes from and stuff like that and like where you know the senoras in the community like come from and whatnot I feel like I've kind of turned in like that but like you know without the toxic Catholicism like that like it was like a it was like just like a self-healing journey essentially of like two years and like really learning to like live in my own truth and like following what I wanted to do because you could never go wrong with that you could never you could never go wrong with like trying things and like like the worst thing people can tell you is no and just like trying to reaffirm yourself with those like you know like those things is how I gained a lot of confidence in myself because it's like okay like fine like maybe you're scared to say something or ask for something but like I said the worst thing anybody can tell you is no it's not like they're gonna like beat you down or like you know like like you know like nothing of that crazy like there's no level of like threat or violence really if you just like ask somebody to do something i don't know it is texas so <laughs> it is texas but i don't know maybe like i think my confidence has gotten like i mean obviously you gotta know how to navigate some social situations but oh like yeah like it was like learning and just kind of reaffirming things to myself like that personally like knowing that like I was okay without DACA like I had to really convince myself that I was okay without DACA like that the world was not ending because I didn't have DACA that the world does not end if I like don't become a citizen or I don't find a citizen to marry or like this or that like and it hasn't like you really have to just truly convince yourself and believe these things about the world because there's like certain truths of the world obviously like life isn't fair like taxes will always exist or whatever like <laughs> death comes for all of us you know I guess just like really trying to reach for like the things that you want because at least you tried if something if it doesn't go your way at least you tried and I think that sort of like thing that a sort of mindset has really stuck with me Especially because, like, I, like, had a process, like, the death of a friend, like, that really, like, changed my entire perspective of things and just, like, really forced me to really, like, push myself to do the things that I wanted to and, like, just see as far as I could go. Because I also think it's just, like, a disservice to myself to not try and reach my dreams to the fullest potential, even if they may seem silly to everybody else. And even if I think that I have, like, all these, like, limitations and obstacles, like, the only thing that's going to do is give me a better origin story for when I do like fucking make it like if that makes any sense but it took a lot of like a lot of healing essentially a lot of like relearning things and sentiments and feelings and just express or like emotions about things surrounding citizenship and living in this world with without citizenship and living in this country under like capitalism and a citizen state so like it was a lot there's a lot of learning a lot of unlearning and a lot of relearning but my but to my own terms I want to talk a little bit about something you touched on earlier, saying that you used to do uh, more activism, this kind of work, and then you went and kind of did your own thing. And I really want to commend you for that because people sometimes feel like they're trapped in here. Like if I'm in this fight, I have to contribute to this fight or, or I'm not being real or I'm not being like authentic or I'm letting people down. Like, no, you also got to take care of you. And, you know, for people that like work in this kind of business, like quote unquote business that we do, it's okay to walk away. It's okay to work on yourself, to go on this healing journey, maybe for a while or maybe never come back because you did eventually find that one thing that you really wanted to do. And not a lot of people realize that or they don't want to let themselves realize that. 
So what was the moment that you said, okay, I'm going to walk away. Like I'm going to try something else. I think for me, it was definitely like during the whole election and it was like COVID and like, it was just like, like so many things like, like COVID was happening. Trump was happening. Like, and it was kind of like, and people were dying, like people were dying. Like I, a lot of my parents or a lot of my friends' parents like were passing away from COVID. Like it was really sad to see like, and then just like, you know, it was just a lot of things that were happening in the world that it would just made me really be like, like at least like me personally, I was just like, I gotta, I gotta follow what I want to do. Like I, I need to try stuff out. I need to like just do some things. But that man, it was like, I guess kind of like the realization that like in this nonprofit industrial complex that immigration kind of circles around is that at the end of the day, like, those people in power kind of really didn't give a fuck about you, like, as you as an individual, like, because say for, like, you know, top immigration org did solve immigration issues, they wouldn't have a job, they wouldn't have, like, an org, they would be gone, there would be nothing for them to do, they're not actually out there solving, like, these real issues, and it's, like, and it's, like, fine if some people want to stay and, like, can, you know, try to do, like, change from within or whatever. I personally don't really believe too much in that. And that's the thing. Like, I think it's also very, like, you're living in the very abstract, I think, when you work in those spaces. And there's a lot of work that you can do for your own community and the people around you. So I started doing, like, and the people that you know. So I started doing, like, I guess kind of, like, more work centered around joy so which is why i did my undocu joy project i really wanted people to kind of express like what they found like what they did to make them happy and how they got through the day and stuff because like all these orgs are gonna do is just give you false promises and you don't want to live in that forever and you don't want to just take that and run because that's what that's what they sell to you essentially right you want to actually be able to be happy on your own without these like without this false this like uncertain like promise of like citizenship right like you don't want to you don't want to be like disillusioned forever because then you're not happy then you're just like stuck like the way that these orgs are operating especially while I was working with them it just it just rubbed me the wrong way like so much that I was just like like yep okay way like they're just gonna keep saying the same thing over and over and nothing's gonna happen so I'm going to go out there and do my own thing. I'm going to start taking care of myself and start then like obviously taking care of my community when I can, how I can, but it doesn't have to be attached to these orgs. Like it doesn't have to be attached to these false promises. I don't have to like blindly lead people along just to like fulfill my own like corporate agenda or whatever. So that was like my kind of like turning point, especially like during the elections. And then like Biden was like, oh, like I'm going to give like everyone citizenship, blah, 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 whatever. Eso nunca pasó, like. And instead it was like, okay, like there are a lot of like older immigrants in my community, like people that I know, like, why does nobody ever ask them about like their own, like what makes them happy? Like, what do they like to do? And so like, I like was lucky enough to like get into like this uh, fellowship program at UT Austin where I went to school called Melon Maze. I think it was called like Engaged Scholar Initiative or something. It was like something under them, but they like gave me money to like do my project. And basically I was literally just kind of like paying people to tell me a happy story. Or paying people to like send me something like a piece of art or something that they created. Like I I didn't want to keep asking them about like their trauma. Like they all do that. Like, and that's what that also thing. It's like all these like uh immigration orgs just like trauma exploit. I don't know, exploit trauma 
for thinking that it'll move the hearts of these like old white Republicans when it won't like it just won't like they don't they don't care they don't give a fuck <laughs> like so it's like and you're just like hurting and forcing these people to relive trauma I learned a lot about like trauma-centered research and that I think also kind of changed like the way that I viewed like all these orgs and the way that they kind of push these people to like the forefront of like you know pushing all this pain and like trauma and all these sad stories of people and then never actually knowing like how to like effectively move forward with them or like heal them or like build a or have a build a better like day-to-day experience for them you know like so I did my own thing like moving forward with that and like now even now like I um, am part of a collective as well like I guess like artistic collective kind of thing in Austin back in Austin that me and my friends like co-founded and one of our like core tenants is like community building and you know kind of just like really trying to do a lot of like bringing people together to do the best that we can and like help each other in like our I guess approx like proximate vicinity because like I said it just people were just saying all sort of things in these orgs and nothing was ever coming from it and I was just sick and tired of it and I was like y'all can be stuck here but I'm not gonna be like I'm moving forward with my life and I think even like though you did leave those spaces like you know you're still doing the work you're still in the community so I think that's just really cool to to know that you don't have to be just doing work within organizations for for you to be creating change but I think maybe just to close off can you tell us more about like what immigrant joy or in joy looks like to you and maybe also a little bit of what you were hearing when folks were sharing that with you so I guess like for me my joy is like being in my community and celebrating and being happy and literally just living life, like being able to be in the moment and expressing joy to one another and being with each other. I think that that's a lot that's missing like in the US is like just there's sense of community, but like there's no like, for example, like third spaces or like events where people get to really like come together for like no reason you know like you don't have to have a birthday party you don't have to have like someone's like quince like it doesn't have to be like things like that like you can literally just go have fun for no reason and that's what I mean like I want people like I want Indaki people to have fun I want them to be like gozando and whatever the fuck like you know I want them to be doing whatever that they can like they don't have to be working all the fucking time like and that's what I mean like it would really piss me off that like orgs would come and like ask people who like would go to work all day Ask them to come do more work outside of work. Put work for their org, not pay them, volunteer. And it's like, oh, we're looking for like undocu people. Like, and it's like, what for? So you can keep working them and not pay them. So like they already go to work and be miserable all day. Let them go have fucking have fun. And that's what like really drove me because it's like, it pissed me off. And I'm like, you deserve to have fun. Like just because you're undocumented does not mean you have to sit around and like be in fear. Like, oh, que esto lo otro no puedo hacer nada. Like, um. Also, la vida's difícil. Like, yeah, life's hard. But guess what? Life is also beautiful. Life is gorgeous. Like, go be present in those moments. And like, it was, it really just like that sort of thing, like just really drove my Andaki project because I like, okay, like, yeah. Like, and there's like, you know, I had to do a lot of like um, healing practices with the people that I interviewed, especially, especially the older people, because a lot of them didn't see any joy in their life. And that was really sad. Like that was, that was actually like really heartbreaking. I remember, um, crying a lot about it because I was like this is so heavy and I was like I personally didn't expect this type of thing to like really take a toll on me I would leave them and even if it didn't like help a lot because I feel like Andaki elders probably need a lot more help than what I could provide right 
But like, I was at least like, you know, like I'm going to give you like, you know, thank you for your time. You don't have to speak to me at all. Like I can just give you this gift card, go buy yourself dinner or lunch or I don't know, use it for something like, or just like share and like the moments of joy that like they felt like when they were kids or when they lived back in their home country, like just listening to them. A lot of people just want to tell their stories. They want to be able to look forward to something, but they're just stuck on this pain that being undocumented has caused them. And that is what really drives me to do more of the community building. And so I think that's also why, like, like I said, I'm in this art collective where we're like, we throw events and like do stuff in Austin for like the POC immigrant and like queer community. It just like really catered to like other people, like, you know, the non-mainstream, like the non-citizen, like just really trying to get people to enjoy themselves more because like the U.S. is always always going to beat you down. Like, I don't think it's going to change. I don't think that's something that's going to, like, be different, especially, like, not anytime soon. So, like, the best you can do is move forward for yourself and, like, the people around you that you love. Thank you, Ale. That was so beautiful. We're so glad that you were able to join us and talk to us a little bit about, like, your story and all of the knowledge that you have. But, yeah, thank you so much. Carlos, Danny, do you have any like last closing statements to say? I don't know how to follow that. That was, like you said, that was beautiful. <laughs> so uh, just, you know, thank you for the work that you continue to do and, you know, for helping to bring joy to these people's lives. And uh, I hope that you never lose that sense of yourself to do so. Yeah, I know igual. Like that was really, really beautiful. And I hope that pues, en el futuro sigas con esa confianza and everything that you've done. Like, I'm so proud of you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Yeah, it's definitely it's it's hard. I'm not saying it's not hard, but everybody else already makes it hard for you. Why make it hard for yourself? Thank you, Ale. Okay, guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Migrants on Air. I want to remind everybody, Migrants on Air is a Fuerte Network production in association with Orona Multimedia. We'd like to formally thank everybody involved in this episode, including our hosts, Karina Dominguez, Carlos Yanes, and myself, Dani Orona, and our awesome guest today, which was Alejandra. Uh, Graphics for this episode were done by Karina Dominguez. Our theme song is Crazy Like That by Lo-Fi. Production netting by Dani Orona. And we'd like to hear from you guys. Follow us on Spotify for this and all other Fuerte content. And make sure you log on to Fuerte.org and sign up for our mailing list. Thank you guys so much and we'll see you next time.